All right, so this week, I was at Starbucks, I was meeting with the Zigglers and the Bags, and they're again getting ready to launch and church plant. And that's the heart of our church, to go to places where you don't get to hear about Jesus, to go there where the name of Jesus isn't spoken and plant a church so that people in that place will have the opportunity to hear the gospel and the hope of Christ. So I love it. That's what we're about. We're meeting as they're kind of gearing up for that. And then a barista kind of came over, overheard a little bit of what we were saying, you know, as we're kind of gearing up, they're getting ready to church plant, and like, you know, what are you guys talking about? Like, man, we're talking about church plan. That's what we're talking about. I'm never real that tough in real life in my mind. I'm always way more confident. But I was, you know, we're talking, well, we're talking missions and kind of had an interesting response and said, hey, I'm a Christ follower, but I'm not religious. You ever get something like that? You ever hear something like that, that, you know, I'm not religious, but, and I, you know, depend on what they mean. I don't know fully where she was coming from, but I feel very comfortable saying, that's cool. Neither am I. I don't think Jesus was very religious either. Like, I think we're okay, you know, depending on what you mean by that. But I'm a pastor. I work at a church, but that doesn't mean that I am religious. And we're going to kind of define what that means because Jesus is about to square off with the religious elite of his day. He's going to square off with the Pharisees and the lawyers. Now, the Pharisees, like, we have political parties, right? We have kind of a paradigm for that. But they also had religious parties, and when you hear Pharisee, I want you to kind of think of that. It was like a particular way that this group of people approached religion, and they approached it kind of intensely. They approached it, you know, very, I mean, to the letter of the law, the way they carried out, they were extremely conservative. So that's the Pharisees. Think of, you know, kind of religious party. And then the lawyers, we're going to see them come up as well. They were the experts in the law. The New Testament isn't written yet. That all comes after Jesus. But kind of particularly the first five books, they were the experts. They were the Bible scholars. And Jesus is going to go toe-to-toe with the religious elite. And you're going to see how Jesus feels about religion. So that's where we're going this morning. Let's dive in. Kind of the, the scene starts. We're in Luke 11 of Jesus kind of just teaching as he has all throughout his ministry. So follow along as I read. This is Luke 11. No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. So Jesus is teaching. You need to understand this. You you do not have an internal light the way they speak of as in the hope and light of the world. Like that is Jesus. So when he's talking about light, that is Jesus and his message. You know, we don't emanate light. We receive light. We receive its rays. And so Jesus is just talking about. So what is your eye? It's the way we see. So eye is our vision. So he's saying, look, the way you see Jesus is going to determine the, the health that you have. Do you have a proper view of Jesus? That's when he's encouraging them to. And then what is this proper view? He kind of lays it out for him. He's talking about this light. It's got to be central to your life. Is Jesus, so, I mean, 
it's not like they had lights like the way we do today. I mean, you had a lamp. You put that thing in the middle of your house so when people came in, they could all see the light. Is Jesus the central part of your life? Or is it just kind of your Sunday part? You know, is Jesus the main part of your house or do you just kind of have like a Jesus room that you visit on Sundays and then you have a club room that you go clubbing with on Fridays and then you have your work room and then you have all these different parts? Jesus says, look, to be healthy towards me, I need to take the center part of your life. And what does he say from there? You should be full of light. Does Jesus and his message infiltrate every part of your life? Does it affect your finances? Does it affect your schedule, your relationships? You don't get to just kind of have Jesus on Sunday, cover him up, and then you go pursue relationships however you want. See, look, to be healthy towards me, I need to be the center part of your life, and I need to be infiltrated and permeate through every portion of your life. He talks about a healthy eye. That's what it means to be healthy. That word healthy eye has this idea of singular focus. You know, not distracted. When you want your kids' attention, they're looking everywhere, and they're not, they, don't, they don't have a healthy view towards you. To have a healthy view towards Jesus, he said, I want you to be singularly focused on me. I don't want you to be distracted, worry about so many other things. So many of you right now, you're worried about your March Madness bracket. You're at church, man. Focus up, people. Have a healthy perspective. You know what I'm saying? But that's, look, that's what he's getting at. Is Jesus the most important thing that you focus on? Are you really into success and relationships and all these other things and your eye is diverted from Jesus? He said, that's what I'm asking. That's what it's like to be healthy towards me. I'm the main part of your life. I'm the most important thing. And then, as he's talking about an unhealthy eye and people that think they're full of light that are actually darkness, enter the Pharisees on cue. So let's dive back into the scene. So while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that Jesus did not first wash before dinner. The Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish. But inside you're full of greed and wickedness, you fools. I mean, Jesus, all throughout with the religious elite, there is constant tension. I mean, hopefully you can kind of feel it in the room of like these Pharisees sit down. You can almost just hear it just, let's get ready to rumble. Like, you know it's coming. I mean, it doesn't take but the first bite of the meal. I mean, Jesus and the religious people, they were like oil and water. They're like me and country music. It just like doesn't gel. Like they're just something. It's just not a fit. My wife loves country music. We always joke about it. But you get the point. Look, Jesus and the religious folks did not gel. And so how does this get set off? So Jesus sits down right away. He's not shy. Soon as the meal begins, Jesus just reaches in, grabs one of them hot pockets. Now, I can't prove it was a hot pocket biblically, but I like to think it was. And so Jesus just starts eating right away, and they start to lose their mind like, how dare he? And he says, he didn't wash before dinner. Now, I love, one of my favorite compliments is people talk about, man, coming here, I've learned so much about the Bible. And I hopefully you learn something about God every day. And like right now, you're like, man, I just learned a weird lesson. Like, Jesus' hygiene isn't really on point. Like, that's a weird lesson to learn. Like, Jesus doesn't wash. That is not what's happening here. All right? So for you germaphobes who are like, man, I want to follow Jesus, but I love me some Purell, you know? Like, that's, this isn't a hygiene issue. The washing he's talking about here 
is these Pharisees, these religious folks, were so religious that before every meal, like God never told them to do this, they would have like a ceremonial washing. This was ceremonial. This didn't have to do with hygiene, okay? So Jesus wasn't participating in their super religious expressions, and they, you know, start to get angry, and then he lays into them. You fools. Some of that, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that this should be shocking to you. Because again, we always have this nice picture of Jesus who loved everybody and petted sheep and all these. Like he lays into these guys. Is that shocking to you to hear Jesus say, you fools, this is to their face. Like when's the last time you did that? You're like, no, I do it all the time. Yeah, you do it trolling on the internet. Like, oh, you guys are idiots. And like, I'm not talking about hiding behind a screen. I'm not going to somebody's face and tell them, you're a fool. Like that is bold. You have a view of Jesus of that. So some of you aren't shocked by that at all. You were raised in churches where that's all the preacher did was scream, and you just assumed Jesus probably was screaming all the time. For you guys, here's how I want you to be shocked. And this, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm like dead serious. This changed a ton for me when I understood this about Jesus. This was shocking to me. Because we all know these scenes where kind of Jesus has some strong words. Do you know who his strong words are towards every single time? the religious folks. Jesus went to the bar. He went to these places. You never see Jesus railing on you dirty sinners. Get your life together the way you guys. And he never, you don't see that. Jesus is compassionate towards sinners. And then the people you think he'd be in lockstep with, he rails on the religious people. Jesus never rails on sinners. He's compassionate towards them and gives it to the religious elite. Do you understand that? Like, is that your view of Jesus? And how many times in the church have we gotten this dead wrong? What does the world know us for? Yelling at that world, yelling at those dirty sinners and all the dirty sins that they do. That's not Jesus. He didn't do that. I'm not saying he's for sin. I'm not saying he doesn't want you to change your life, but he has nothing but compassion for sinners, but the religious folks that run the system, and we're about to see in a very unhealthy way, that's who Jesus lays into. I hope that ministers to you on some level, and we're just gonna kind of read through. This is Jesus now letting the Pharisees have it. Let's dive back in. You fools. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give his alms those things that are within. And behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and you neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves. The people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. This is my favorite part. <laughs> so there's two groups, and he's laying to the Pharisees, and the lawyers are like, because there was overlap. You could be a lawyer that was a Pharisee. And the lawyer's like, wait a minute, Jesus. Like, I know you don't mean to. You're actually starting to offend us a little bit. Like, indirectly, I feel a little insulted. And Jesus responds, so, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know I indirectly insulted you. Let me insult you to your face. And he said to them, woe to you, lawyers, also. For you load the people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. 
Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers. Let's skip a couple of verses, skip down. It keeps going. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You do not enter yourselves, and you hinder those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Before we start picking it apart, you know, as always, try to dive into these scenes and picture that. He goes to dinner with these guys and then leaves. That's thousands of people crowding around. I mean, they, they were just trampling on him. And I feel bad for our parking team and, you know, all the cars. Can you imagine Jesus' parking team? You got a thousand donkeys, like, getting kicked by a donkey. Like, Jesus, I quit. Like, I'm out. I mean, thousands of people just crowding around him. And here's this, seriously, this made me so impressed with Jesus. Like, think about his life. Everywhere he went, it said this crew of people, not passively, just like with a microphone in his face, actively, it's the word for trying to trap an animal, trying to trap him to slip up and say one thing so they can stick it to him. Jesus, with thousands of people, can you imagine that? I mean, in our day, how common is it? I mean, every single day, we have another politician, another actor apologizing. Sorry, I misspoke. I didn't mean that, or I went too far. And thank you, Twitter, and all of this. Like, we have all the time, because people, you know, flip out and they say something they don't mean. Jesus' entire life, while he was trying to be trapped like an animal, never once misspeaks. Never once loses it. Never once, like, smacks a cameraman, like, trips somebody's camel so he can get out of town. Like, he just, calmly, I, I just find that amazing. Just think about that for a second. But then, let's kind of, like, dive in and unpack this. Again, Jesus and these super religious people, it starts to become pretty clear how he feels about them and how he feels about religion. And that can be defined differently. So that's kind of, I want to define what I'm saying religion. What are we talking about? I'm going to look at what are the results of religion, and then how do we respond to religion. All right, so let's kind of unpack kind of what he threw at them. First, religion. It is all about rules. Remember that kind of, he talked about the cup. You clean the outside of the cup, and the inside of the cup is dirty. Religion is all about externals, and it misses the point, I mean, that's common sense, right? You go over to somebody's house and you watch them like clean the outside of a bowl and they hand it to you and it's got like mac and cheese stuck on the inside. Like run that back, bro. Like you missed the point. Like doesn't the inside matter most? In our lives, doesn't your inside matter most? Like your heart and who you are and greed and justice and love of God. And you said you don't wait, none of that. All of your focus is on the outside of the cup. It's all about the right behaviors. What is a Christian? Well, you don't go to these movies, you don't drink, you don't cuss, you don't say these words, and you totally major on the minors. Now, I'm not saying those things don't matter, 
But in religion, that's all that matters. It's all about the outside of the cup. You gotta do these religious steps and then do these behaviors and then that's what makes you religious. That's what makes you right with God. And Jesus is railing on that. Maybe that was your upbringing. That's all it was. It was just all about the rules and the externals. Do these right things. Do these religious steps and you're good. Jesus is saying, you guys missed the whole point. That's religion, and that's not what Jesus is about. What else did he kind of condemn them for? Let's look at another. It's all about recognition. It's all about status. It's all about show. You know, you gotta look good, and you gotta look good at church. You gotta have it all together, and that's what he said. You guys just want the best seats. You guys just want the best greetings. Now, it doesn't matter how you treat your kids. It doesn't matter how you treat your spouse. But you go to church and you give a nice greeting there and so you can look good and everybody can say, oh, look at that sweet little family. It's all about status. It's all about making yourself look good, making yourself look spiritual by doing all the right religious spiritual things. And Jesus is like, you you got none of that. You know how to look really showy? You know how to gain a lot of status? Not just follow God's rules. You throw on a couple extra. That's exactly what these guys did. If you ever find yourself around somebody that is dogmatically telling you something that isn't in God's word, like your religion alarm should be going off. Like, we gotta, like that's Pharisee alert, okay? When somebody's saying, you can't do that, and they're making a rule for you that God never did, you know you are in danger of being a Pharisee. In the Old Testament, there were 613 laws. I don't know who counted that, but goodness, good job. So that wasn't enough for them. They had to add to them and make so many more rules on top of that. Like that washing that they were doing before dinner, that's not anywhere in the Bible. But they're saying, no, you have to do this before dinner. Anytime you add to God's rule, you're in trouble. I mean, alcohol is the perfect, I think, illustration for this, right? So what does God say? Avoid drunkenness. But us, you know, super religious, we say, but we don't even touch alcohol. And if, you, if you touch alcohol, you're not a Christian. That is sin. The only problem is God never said that. Now, if you're an alcoholic, by all means, feel free for yourself to say, look, I can't touch this stuff. But if I make a rule for you and say you can't do that, we're somewhere where God has given freedom, man, we're kind of getting into religion. These guys added so much to it. They said they tithe. Listen to how showy these guys got. They tithe, which is 10% of your money. I mean, that was kind of the biblical standard. 10% of your paycheck, you give to the temple. But not only that, it says they tithe off their spices and their spice rack. So these guys would be home like with their cinnamon, like, okay, here's the cinnamon, okay, here's Jesus' cinnamon, and okay, here's the garlic, and here's Jesus' garlic. And then they would go and like bring, they literally would bring that to the church, like these guys, they'd go get their 10-piece nugget, and okay, well, here's Jesus' nugget, and I'll put it in my Jesus pocket, and here go, here's Jesus' nugget. Like that's what these guys did. They wouldn't eat a 10-piece. They'd eat a 9-piece and then give Jesus a piece. And I'm all for giving God everything, but they got so showy with how they did this. And then they added to it. You ever been in a church like that? Where it's all about who looks good and who does the right things and who's the deacons and all of that. That's religion. And Jesus wasn't about that. Lastly, religion is difficult and confusing. He said, woe to you guys. You are just hammering these people with burdens and you don't help them achieve this and you've taken away knowledge. 
So my job, if it's anything, is to make it clear for you to understand how to have a relationship with God. These guys did the exact opposite. They made it difficult. They made it hard. They made it confusing. They made God's word, one commentator said it this way, a bundle of obscurities in a book of riddles. I mean, who was that you growing up? You just felt like that. Like the Bible was just a bunch of obscurities and a book of riddles that you had no idea. And you know what's convenient for the super religious folks? If I can make it confusing for you, I get all the control. Don't worry, you can't handle that. Why don't you just bring it to me? And so now they had all the control with no compassion. And again, I'm not saying like how you live your life doesn't matter. But these guys would rail on you addicts, you this or that, and then would do nothing to help. That's very different than saying like, man, I don't want you trapped in that addiction. Can we help you? Like, why don't you come to our Thursday meeting? I'll meet you there. Like, that's very different than what these guys were doing and making it hard and confusing. Listen to this. Like, here's the level these guys went. So Sabbath. Now, that's a biblical command. He told them, take a Sabbath. Listen to how they added to this. Here was their teaching on top of the Sabbath. God's like, you guys look tired. I need you to take a day off. That's my command. Hey, thanks, God. Here's what these guys did to this. Talking about the Sabbath, a man may not carry a burden in his right hand or left or on his shoulder, but he can carry it on the back of his hand or with his foot or with his mouth or in his hair or in his wallet, mouth downwards, or between his wallet and shirt or in the hem of his shorts or in his shoe. What are you talking about? Tell me that's just, now it's just confusing. And you went to a church where, I don't know, I think you're supposed to go through these classes. And I would, if I were to, I ask people this all the time, like, how do you inherit eternal life? You know, get a million different reasons because you were probably raised in religion. We're like, I don't know. It was just confusing. And I just know you had to do a lot of all these different things. That's religion. It's all about rules. It's all about you know, having the right status, going through the right religious rituals. And in the end, it's all about making this hard, difficult journey with God that you're not even sure you're doing it right. And some of you were like, dang, was he raised in my church? How does he know? Because there is still religion alive and well, and that's all that it's about. And you were raised in this, and you didn't see Jesus in any of that. So that's religion. But let's look at what is the result of it. Maybe you have taken part, if you've been a participant in religion, and this is where kind of Jesus wraps it up and takes it to at the end. So that's what religion is. You know what the result is? The, re- the result of religion is always hypocrisy. Because it's all about looking good. And I know deep down inside that I'm not really good. I have issues, but I got to look good for people and put on all the right externals. And that's what he says, beware of the Pharisees because their leaven is hypocrisy. That's the only result. If you're a proponent of religion or even taking part in religion, I promise you it will end in hypocrisy because you're not right in here, but you got to look right out here. And so now you start to distance yourself from who you really are and show in the world another thing. You probably heard me say this before. The word that we get for actor is actually the word hypocrite. So if you're an actor, you're a hypocrite. That joke is still funny to me, but none of you think it's funny still. That's just the word. That's what it means. All right. On to Aunt Becky. <laughs> Look, here's the deal. Listen. Listen. No, no, here's the deal. I'm not, and I'm dead serious. Like, I'm not trying to slam her. I don't know where she came from, and I don't know what's going on in her life. But that's kind of this big story broke, right? 
Aunt Becky was taking part of this college scam, and here she is involved in this scam of kind of cheating her way into schools. I think part of the reason is because of the discrepancy between her character and the life she did. I think that's part of the reason why we're so fascinated. We're like, Aunt Beck, say it ain't so. Like, you're next to tell me Uncle Joey's slanging rock. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I was raised on Full House in this crazy, unpredictable world. And I'm like, whatever happened to predictability? Like the milkman, the Full House theme song. See, I just wove it in. That was cool. All right. Listen. So now, if she is going to stand before the judge, can you imagine this being her defense? You know, Lori, please stand up. What you done? Well, judge, I played Aunt Becky on TV. You say, I don't care the character you played. This is who you are. And again, we can just rail on all the Pharisees out there, but we can acknowledge there's some Pharisee in all of us, right? I don't care the character you play on Sunday. I don't care the character and the religious person that you play on Sunday. God is not impressed with me because I can come up here and give a sermon on Sunday. Do you know how easy it is for me to be a different guy at home than I am here? Do you know how easy it is for me to scream at my kids and be harsh to my wife, but then come play Pastor Jared on Sunday? And God says, I want nothing of that. I don't care what character you can play on Sunday. And that's to the Pharisees, and that's to every one of us. That's religion just putting on this show. I want you to have a heart for me. I want you to be decent people and have a love for God that spills out of you. That's religion. And religion will always result in hypocrisy if you participate in it. And here is where this really began to come together for me. I mean, Jesus, again, is by and large calm and compassionate, loving, except when it comes to these guys, he lit into them. Why? And this is, I want you to see, if you were raised in religion, I want you to hear the heartbeat of Jesus this morning. Because it broke God's heart. When you see a family making bad decisions and making all kind of healthy, unhealthy decisions, you feel bad for them. But who do all of us feel for the most? We feel for kids. Because the kids are the innocent victims in that. You're making your choices. That's one thing. And those kids are feeling the pain and the burden of that. If you were the if you were a child raised in religion, like that's where it breaks Jesus' heart. And he says, you fools! Your job was to tell people who I am. Your job was to show people how to have a relationship with me. And you did the opposite. You cut people off from me. You made it all about rules, you fools. Those are people that I love. They're people that I want to have a relationship with. And you made it about cussing. And you made it about all these things. What happens? You're raised in religion. The result in your life is just shame because you're not as good as all those church folk. You're jaded by just all the show of it. I see who you are and then I see you put on that church face. You kidding me? And you walk away and that breaks God's heart because you walked away from religion and you ended up walking away from Jesus all in the same. He says, you fools. Those are people that I love and you turned them away. I remember just getting a mouthful of religion growing up. And my, the services I was raised in, it was a time where everybody, you know, you'd shake hands and offer, you know, the sign of Christ and, you know, peace be with you and you'd all shake hands. I'm not going to lie to you. My family, we were hooligans and I can own that. We were just, as kids, just acting a fool in church. 
and to come time to offer the sign of peace. I'll never forget the look and the judgment on this guy's face. He turns around, and we go to offer the sign of peace and say, you don't deserve to shake my hand the way you've been acting in here. Are you kidding me? That's religion. Smackful in the face. This guy completely unloving, judgmental towards us as kids because we're not doing the religious ceremony right and you make us feel unwelcome and shame because we're not good enough for your religious ceremony. And I went through that season. I'm out. That's ridiculous. Nobody wants anything to do with that. And the sad part is some people then walk away from Jesus. If I can ask you, Jesus wasn't for religion. Just because you've been burnt by religion, don't walk away from Jesus. So how do we respond to that? Clearly, Jesus is not for religion is laid out that way. So how do we respond? And particularly if maybe you were raised in this. Reject it. Reject an outside-in religion that's just all about doing all the right things out here, but ignoring your heart. It doesn't work. It doesn't go that direction of just do all the right behaviors, do all the right things, and then somehow that fixes your heart. It doesn't work. You know a beautiful thing about this passage? He went to dinner. These guys, Jesus wasn't like just four sinners and hated these guys. Jesus received their invitation. Maybe you have participated in religion. And just repent and realize, I've been one of those guys. It's been all about the church show, and I'm not the man I'm supposed to be on the inside, but I just want to follow the religious steps, and I think that makes me okay. Repent and realize that's not Jesus. And just like these Pharisees, he will receive your invitation to come into your life and dine with you. Let me say this as well. Secondly, avoid inside only. Jesus tells you not to be legalistic, that if you do these right things on the outside, somehow that makes you clean on the inside. But some of us rightfully reject that, and we swing the pendulum all the way over here to liberalism, to where just believe whatever you want, doesn't matter how you practice, like that was jacked up, so I'm just going to do and believe whatever I want. Don't do that either. So we're sitting in Starbucks, and again, as a girl, I'm a Christ follower, I believe in the word of God. Well, you know, do you attend a church anywhere? Well, no, I don't. Now, wait a minute. Reject religion, of course. But Jesus says, don't forsake meeting together. Like you should, and it says to be plugged into a body, and I don't care if you don't go to a big church, if you want to find it. So here we reject bad religion and bad churches. Don't swing it to just no church. Again, alcohol is another great example where you overreact. You know, the Bible says, you know, it doesn't say don't touch alcohol, and then we're like, sweet, I'm going to get drunk. Like, no, it still matters. Like the Bible is clear to avoid drunkenness. But we go from legalism, and then we just swing to liberalism to where, just believe whatever you want. Hey, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. Well, Jesus corrected them to right belief. There is truth, and there's appropriate behavior. Here's the simplest way I know to think of it. Don't add to God's rules. Follow the ones that are there. Right? Like, but we swing past following the ones that are there to like, I'm sick of that, and then we just do Whatever makes sense to us, and we're spiritual, but avoid that. An inside-only religion where you define it, and it never comes out of you. Do you know, remember when he's talking about the tithe? He said, no, like, do those things, but don't forget your heart. So what do we do in the face 
of religion. Lastly, receive an inside-out relationship. That's what Jesus is about. And that's why it breaks his heart that people miss a relationship with him because they've just seen religion from the outside in that leaves them nothing but judged and shamed. He said, yes, reject that. Don't run away from me and just do whatever you want. Jesus, remember back to that light? He says, I want to fill your life. I want to be the center of your life. I want to have a relationship with you, and I want to permeate every part of your life, and I want to come out of you, and the world would see me through you. Because here's the thing. He's talking about cleaning the cup. You can do some things in your life to try to get your act together. Can you clean your heart? No. Jesus says, let me do that. Please, you know, separate, and I hope this is healing from you, separate religion from relationship, and Jesus says, I want you to welcome me into your life. Let me come in, let me dine with you, and have a relationship with you from the inside out. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? God, I ask for your healing hand this morning. All of us on some level have experienced religion that's nothing but shame and judgment that leads and condemnation in us, just rejecting that. Help us this morning, God. Your spirit would be clear to separate between religion and a relationship with you. God, would you heal us this morning that we would be able to separate that and we would hear the invitation of Jesus to say, I'm sorry you went through that, but I want to have a relationship with you. I want to dine with you. God, please, would you fill us from the inside out? In Jesus' name, amen.